put the cameras on me, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Back in Los Angeles, ladies and gentlemen, live from Koreatown, it is the Ozone. I am your host, Omar Miller. I'm here with my brother from the same mother, fresh off the plane from overseas, and he's lagged out. Ladies and gentlemen, Terry Miller, also known as the Icon. And the Lagamemnon. Put the cameras on me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put the cameras on you. Yeah, yeah. Big shout out to little Twitchy, young Twitchy. Nice. That was a nice. nice Twizzy Twitch. Nice jam, as the young folks say. Um, we got a lot to cover. We think we're going to come at you live a couple times this week, folks. We got a couple segments to introduce. Uh, we wanted to to talk about a lot. We we didn't cover James Harden being the new $60 million man. Uh, we want to cover Major League Baseball at the halfway point. There's a lot to talk about, including the home run derby uh, and coming out of the break and what we think is going to happen. We want to cover Wimbledon, ladies and gentlemen. We were just there. We want to report and let you guys know what it was like. And we want to talk about the debacle uh, known as Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather's fight. So I say we get straight into it and we start at the top. And by the top, I mean with the hands down greatest tennis player of all time. Where are we going, mate? We're going over the pond, mate. We jump in the pond, you know, and we're going straight to bloody Wimbledon. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny in England. Everything ends with a question, even though they're giving it to you as a statement. Wow, traffic's pretty bad, yeah. <laughs> is that is that their version of the Canadian A? And it's a, it's a it, I think it's our version of fool. <laughs> What's up? It's, it's like a it's like a period, even though it could be a question mark. So uh, we were over there in London having a blast. Visited Manchester City and went and and actually met up with a great player. Okay, Dungadin, Dungadin. Sorry, pardon my my bad Turkish. And um, man, this was a crazy experience. You know, this is one of the hardest tickets to get in all of sports, Wimbledon. People line up outside. They queue up for up to seven, eight hours, two, three days. Yeah, but you can't even explain it to people. It's a, a situation where they would have to see it themselves because the line is so long. I mean, wow. how long is it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that line is, is tremendous. I would say at least eight football fields. More. Yeah, more. You know I, think, more. I think it's a half mile. Probably at least it's yeah, it's like it's, it's real and and that's just to get the chance to buy the tickets. That's not to buy the tickets. That's, that's not a, to that's buy the tickets. That doesn't mean that you're gonna get a ticket. That's just to get a chance to buy a ticket. Now the thing that they do though that is very nice over there is what, what is that? If you stand in that line for an extended time and you get selected, then there's actually a ticket. You got just as good a chance as a millionaire of sitting in the best seat in the house on center court. And we met someone who actually got that chance. Tell that story. It's a crazy story. Well, it's awesome. The guy came up and he told us how he actually waited in line, got in the queue, and actually ended up winning a ticket and a chance to go see on center court. Who was it? Was it Nadal? It was Djokovic. It was Djokovic, yeah. He was actually did. He was going to see. Yeah, he was, he was about to yeah, walk in and go watch Djokovic. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And it was five pounds or something yeah, that he paid. Yeah, five pounds. He paid five pounds. Very smart of them. It was a, a, seri- a, a Which case is very of, fair as well. That's what I was just going to say. It was a case of very serious equality, which I love. But to get back on track, we're setting the scene there. It's a very elegant tournament. Tournament. It's a very, very clean, beautiful tournament. Lots of beautiful flowers and just a well manicured uh, uh, venue. Very well mannered venue. And um, Roger Federer once again proved why he's the greatest player of all time. And I, you know, I'm going to tell you something. I fought it for a very long time. How long has it been? Pete Sampras is my favorite. I just rolled over this January, to be honest, to saying that he was after after that five set or four or five set win in Australia. 
against Rafael Nadal okay. at the age of 37. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is, I can't freight, I can't front anymore. I can't fake on him. This is it's too real. He's way too real. And now he's just won today. He just won his record-breaking eighth men's single title at Wimbledon. At 37 years old, which in the past was basically time Out for the, the pasture. That's it. You're at the old folks' home. In tennis at that age. When's the last time you seen Federer, sonny? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's having afternoon tea <laughs> in an IV at that point in the world of tennis because he can't chew anything solid. Uh, he couldn't have him a scone, mate. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I'm I'm blown away. He just beat Marin Chilik in straight sets. And he didn't drop a set the whole tournament. He didn't drop a set the whole tournament. It's unbelievable, right? I think it is a tremendous example of nowadays, proper rest and knowing your limits. We're in a situation where let's go through top to bottom of the checklist. Super Bowl winner, Tom Brady, 40 years old. They're talking about him playing until he's 45. This is even more unheard of than the tennis, you know, 37-year-old. Uh, yeah. Uh, and he and there's no argument that he's still at the top of his game. If you're open, Tom Brady's going to find you. Believe it. Right. Now, do you think that takes away from the game when the old timers can still produce like that because they're not using actually physical ability, but the mentality? How long do you think that they can exist like that? Because you watch people turn into like mere mortals overnight in one game. You can watch somebody turn old. Well, but see, but this is this is my point. This is what I wanted to speak about with you. So if we look at it there this year in the most dangerous sport, Bernard Hopkins got retired by Joe Smith at 52 years old. And he it wasn't by choice. <laughs> no, he got retired. He got and, retired. And but I will say that prior to that, he was still competitive. Yeah, prior very to that much. match. And he used wisdom more so on those youngsters than anything. He was he's always been a dirty fighter. He's grimy. You know, he does whatever it takes to win the fight. And a lot of those kids don't understand that. They don't understand it. Venus Williams lost in the finals. She came in second place in the Wimbledon Championships on the ladies' side, and she's thirty six years old 37 years old herself 37 she would have been the oldest player to ever win a singles tournament and um uh, uh and it's just unbelievable to me that you see what happens and in all of these sports you're talking about a guy look at your man who kept getting that deal over and over again what was your man's name uh jamie uh, the pitcher for the phillies and uh and he was a oh. bum and they kept giving him they kept giving him work yeah uh I can't even remember his name. Jamie Moyer. Jamie Moyer. Jamie Moyer was, had to be about 78 years old, and he was still out there dealing for the Mariners. And he wasn't dealing, but he was in the show. But he was dealing. But he was dealing. <laughs> he wasn't dealing, but he was. Now you're talking about... No, look at Bartolo Colon. It's a better example. Bartolo Colon was in the show doing his thing. Yeah. Now you're talking about... And he helped write the ship for a lot of these young players that the Atlanta Braves have, a lot of the young pitchers, who are now pitching better and playing better. We'll get to that. But now you that's baseball, that's football, that's tennis. In basketball, we're looking at a situation where Kobe Bryant had to retire as the mummy. And this is with all these extra games that they play. The mummy zamba. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) With all the extra games that a guy like Kobe Bryant plays from going to championships and, you know, so on and so forth. It's actually pretty impressive. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think that there's a couple things that take place when you're dealing with the older players. One, like you said, it's their wisdom of the game that makes such a big difference on the game itself. Right. And 
and what they pass on to the younger kids, the younger players. I mean, you can't even put a, a dollar amount on that because what Bartolo probably taught some of those young kids in the dugout, the way they carry themselves, or even, you know, just and simple, prepare themselves. Yeah, prepare themselves in simple techniques to get people out, to understand Like you game. don't have to strike everybody out. Yeah. You can pitch the contact. And a lot of those guys, whether whatever sport it is, learn those little small techniques or tricks and it takes them to the next level. Maybe not right then, but in the future. No doubt about it. And so now you're talking about guys who are in potentially in their early 20s looking at guys in their 40s like, man, I got a long way to go barring some sort of, you know, catastrophic injury. Right. And these are these guys also have the discipline to eat not for pleasure. These guys are eating for fuel for their body. They're doing absolutely positively everything that they can do to stay in the league as long as possible. Like we heard about a few of the tennis players up there that we've heard directly from the horse's mouth, yep. as, as they say, that, you know, there's a lot of guys on that tour that literally eat for fuel. And, that's it. You know, and that's it. Totally they, regimented. Everything, their proteins, yes, fats, and carbos. Totally regimented. They're not eating for, for pleasure. They're eating just for the right amount of calories and ingested nutrition to give them the maximum performance of everything. And it's a to me, you know, unless you have, especially in tennis, unless you have a fluke injury like uh, like that woman su uh, uh, suffered out there, which yeah, was with terrible. knee injury. Oh my god! Um, and they, they're saying that that might have been caused from bad soil. Yeah, bad soil. Because what ended up happening was, what ended up happening was, is that it seemed as though it was just worn down. And a couple players complained about it. She slipped on the on the grass, and yeah, I mean, it, it was yeah. Ugly. But now we were there, and I didn't feel like it was worn down. Honestly, I would have to say that. It wasn't as maintained or well-maintained that it should Which was surprising. Yeah, I was surprised as well because we were there from the beginning, and it and they had a little brown on the field already. They had some brown on the field, <laughs> and I don't think they're having a drought problem, no, so I don't know what that was problem, about. So I don't know what that was about. Well, let's get back to, to, to Roger. Last year, Roger Federer looked like his age. He looked like he was on his way out, and he looked like Father Time had finally caught up with him. He was still in the top five uh, – I don't think he ever dropped lower than 10 or 7 or something like that. But he was battling injury. There was the whole scenario where he and Rafael Nadal weren't even really able to compete. I, I just heard some story about uh, Nadal opening a clinic for kids out in uh, Mallorca, Spain, and he invited Roger out to help him open it. And neither one of them could actually get on the court and hit balls around and play an exhibition for the kids because they were both so busted up at the time. Now, fast forward a year later, both of them are right back at the top. Both of them are the top in the top five, and you don't really want to see either one of them. I think Nadal got uh, got out of there in this tournament behind playing someone unpredictable and also by playing another lefty, which is a rarity for him. I remember you said that, but when I watched the the uh, match, I didn't feel like it was anything with the lefty-lefty thing. It just looked like that guy literally had his number at this point, yeah. and he figured him out a little bit, and uh, Nadal couldn't make the adjustments. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Now, with I, I, Federer, can, I can give it that. Yeah, um, but with Federer... Um, he did the. He took a look like he stepped back and said to himself, "You know what? I'm going to figure it out." And what he figured out was that I don't need to play in every. I don't need to play everywhere. Yeah, in every. I don't need to play everywhere. Guess what? My skill set and my knowledge of the game will take me past what the tune-up matches would do to bring down my body. Right. And it seems like he figured that out. He sat out Roland Garros in the French, and uh, and he came back. He played one tune-up match, one tune-up tune-up tournament on grass. And then he came back here and in Wimbledon and just destroyed the field. Yeah. Now, what do you think about the U.S. Open? You think he'll be there? I think he'll be there. I don't know if he'll be as effective because I think when you're talking about hard court, hard court is favors the younger, more athletic guy. Right. I mean, you can't put anything past him at this point. He can really, you know, 
He can he could write his own ticket to a certain degree because I think that the ball is moving faster, but his mind is moving faster when it comes to tennis in itself. But he has a little bit more time to rest because if you look at it, he knew that the French is Rafa's, you know, dominant uh, uh, surface of choice. Right. He also knew that the time between the French and Wimbledon is minimal. It's a tight window there. It's only like four weeks or something like that. Not a lot of time. Mm Mm-hmm. So to come back on clay, to come back from clay and play right away on grass is a a tall order for somebody who's just coming off a knee surgery less than 18 months ago. And, you know, I think he made the strategic decision to say, you know what, let's sit that out, let the body heal, and then let's get busy. Right. Uh, You watched all these older guys make adjustments. One of the biggest people that you watched make adjustments was Roger Clemens back in the day. Because what Roger Clemens, his theory was, too, is that he, you know, he got away. He still struck people out. But he was willing to take some walks and mess up his stats so much. Yep. You know, he'll walk the the four and five hitter, the three, four and five hitter, the three hole hitter, whatever it is, and then work on all the, you know, the lesser hitters. Yep. And, and it worked. Yeah, and it and it worked. He was still effective. Yeah, he was still effective. And he, he had that ridiculous thing in his contract where he didn't have to travel with the team when he wasn't pitching. <laughs> I don't understand what that was about right. I don't think he, he was a team much. guy, but <laughs> yeah, but you watch these older guys. Well, these so-called older, older guys. You talk right. about Rel- it's all relative. Yeah, thirty-something years on the planet is not that old. Oh, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but but in the but world, in the world of, of highly competitive sports, where yes. there's a new jack yeah. with the fresh growth hormone that's all natural, right. you know, in his system because he's only 17, 18 years old. Right. It actually is a lot older. So would you say the new uh, the forty-five is the new sixty? I, I hope not. That would mean that when I'm 45, I'm 60. Well, <laughs> I don't want that to be the case. <laughs> well, let's go backwards. Then. Let's say that the other way. Yeah, get on. I think, I think <laughs> uh, you know what? I think it's a case-by-case basis. And I, what I think is, I think that it all depends on how well you take care of your body. You see guys, especially in different sports, you see all of them uh, kind of messing around, if you will, you can see they have bad skin or this, that, and the other. And all yeah. that is evidence of your your diet. Yeah. And you see a lot of the young guys come in like that. And the guys who maintain are guys that make some adjustment early in their career to extend their playing career. Now, if they make that adjustment before getting to the league, now you're talking about the sky being the limit. Right. I mean, really. Look at a guy like LeBron James. Now, LeBron James has so many miles on his body from playing, you know, so many games, so on and so forth. And yet he's still at the very top of his game. Nobody would argue that he's the best player in the world. And if they did, you don't need to listen to him. <laughs> and and then when you look at that, he's going on 33, 34, yeah. something like that. I think it's 33. Which means that this should be the time that the, the fall off should have already started to happen, right. which we saw did not happen. Right. He's gotten leaner. He seems as quick as he was. He maybe lost a half a step on defense or something, and but so, it doesn't. Yeah, and but what he's doing is it seems as if He's making the adjustments in life, not just on the court. This is what I'm saying. Yeah, because what you're doing is what you were talking about is changing your habits, your diet, yeah. your dietary habits. Because you look at a guy like Kevin Durant or even Carmelo Anthony in the past, to me, he wasn't ever in shape, really. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why you can never get the best out of a guy like Melo is because he never was completely in shape. But you look at Kevin Durant as well because you can see I don't feel like his diet is up to code. And, you know, I don't know what his regimen is or his scheme, but from his skin and everything, it doesn't look like he's – in great shape. I mean, not that he's not in great shape. I know what you shape. mean. In, in great shape in the terms of a professional elite athlete. Right. Not in great shape of like a guy just right. walking around right. having a beer on the, after work having at the happy hour. at the pub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mate. Yeah. And, you know, stopping for some fish and chips, yeah? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I find that very interesting. I think that, uh, you know, 
Venus is another example. She had to go through a lot to get to this point. Her and her sister, uh, I would say Venus Williams, Serena Williams, Martina Navratilova, and possibly Steffi Graf. And uh, I mean, I didn't really get to watch Billie Jean King, but, um, you know, and say Chris Everett are the most dominant women tennis players of all time. <laughs> look like your girl, Muga, how do you pronounce it? Muguruza? <laughs> I think we might pronounce it Mugavera. <laughs> but, <laughs> no job. <laughs> no, no, no. Inside joke, folks. Sorry. But uh, no, um, you know, she, she, but don't know, but, but staying on, on that theme, Venus has overcome an autoimmune disorder, mm-hmm. an autoimmune disease. She's overcome the stress of this scenario in tennis now with this uh, uh, car accident, this fatal car accident looming over her. And she's overcome the fact that her sister is the most dominant ever. And she's still right there all the time. This says a lot about the way that she takes care of herself, the way that she lives her life. Right. And I just think they all deserve, you know, everybody just that, that can take care of themselves deep into their 30s and into their 40s deserves kudos. I think also it's ridiculous the way that people are comparing this to being an actual warrior. <laughs> I think people need to give that up. Stop that. <laughs> War is the worst condition happening on the planet. And they're, they're comparing it to And these. all the time you hear these 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 cliches all the time of people saying this. It's just not it's not, it's not okay. accurate. Yeah, it's not okay. We shouldn't we shouldn't say stuff like that. What else is not okay is that nobody has apologized to Venus Williams after that condemning her. That is completely her. not okay because the, they had throw, thrown her out with the bathwater, as they say. Yep. Because they had said that she was this and that. She was a murderer and everything else. And nobody has come out to say, you know what? We were wrong. The evidence came out and showed that she was not responsible for anybody's death, nor she wasn't even as responsible for the accident. Exactly. So how can you say that, you know, she was this monster and then don't come out and apologize? But this is an example of society. This is where we are in society. Uh, I, I think that we as a society build people up in hopes that they can be heroes and so on and so forth. But we also have a very short tolerance if anything goes wrong in that scenario. And when anything goes wrong, we can't wait to pounce on them and label them the villain. And this is what has happened to her, looks like unjustly. And now she's moved on. And you could see the difference in her play and her body movement right. from the beginning of the tournament to when she got semi-exonerated, if you will. Uh, from this accident, I know they're still they they want to check her phone records and so on and so forth, but I I think it's, it's a you know, it's a it's a clear cut case of how that emotional stress was weighing on her, but I mean that's my piece you know they I heard some stat that Martina Navratilova at forty four years old went on to win twelve more doubles championships uh from from that age. You know, this is this is real, man. There's people out there who can actually take care of themselves yeah, and well, maximize. When you see Martina right now, you can see that You think she could go right yeah. I think she'd go right now. Yeah. Definitely with doubles, yeah. for sure. But, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I wanted to move. I want to talk about that. We got so much to cover. You know, neither one of us are big fans of the Floyd Mayweather-Conor McGregor fight. We both feel like it's a spectacle. And they're doing nothing but proving our point. I mean, worldwide freaking circus. Go ahead, speak on it. I just don't. I mean, I don't. I'm almost without words in this situation where everybody's buying into thinking that a a MMA fighter is going to be able to handle a professional boxer. A guy, you're talking about a guy like Conor McGregor who's never really fought a professional boxing match, and he's going to step in there in the the biggest stage or whatnot and think that he's going to compete with with one of the best boxers to, to do it. Yeah. 
And I'm, and, not, I'm, not, I'm not a giant Floyd Mayweather fan, but I don't negate the man's talent. Yeah, he has talent. Yeah, and, and and I, I, and very and, high-level talent. And, and for all you people who are buying into it, of course, anybody can lend a Hail Mary. I doubt if it's going to happen. And one of the things that you might see is that you might see somebody lose their life or pretty much get damaged to the point where they might not be able to lead a normal life after the fact. Well, there's that. And I just want to talk about the actual tour. Because they're the doing the, the, the circus has come to town. Barnum and Bailey closed the big top forever, and McGregor and Mayweather opened it right back up. Because what we're seeing here is pure and simple spectacle. I'm not mad at these two young men getting their money. I'm really not. Uh, if people want to watch it, then that's on them. Watch it. That's on you. If you don't want to watch it, then don't watch it. You know, it's it's going to cost you a C note unless you're willing to look in SD and standard right. def, which will hurt your eyes nowadays. And uh, that's still going to cost you 90 balls. <laughs> that's 90. That's 90. You need that 90 to come off of that. So you might as well come off the extra 10 if you're going to do it. <laughs> you might as well. And so, I can't uh, do it. Come off the dime. And, and you know, listen, Floyd is doing a great job. If you watch the interviews after the the press conference itself where he's talking about, listen, he's a serious fighter. <laughs> yeah. And anybody can land anything. I ain't the fighter I was 10 years ago. I ain't the fighter I was five years ago. But I got enough to beat McGregor. <laughs> yeah. So why are we? And why is this going on this record as being the the you know? It's this is ridiculous. It's a it's a money grab, and I wanted to speak on it because to me, what it does is it speaks to a further devolution of society. We look at these guys, and every single press top, every single stop on this press tour has gone deeper and deeper and lower and lower into amorality. And unfortunately, as a society, we used to be able to say, you know what? Well, these guys are barbarians. They're fighters. What do you expect from them? But so far this year, we've seen fighters behave with incredible class. We've seen so many fighters who come out and speak well of their opponent in victory and in defeat after they've lost. True. You look at Joshua and Klitschko. Both of them spoke about the other in glowing ways after the fight. Mm -hmm. And you look at... uh, Look at look at any of the fights that we've seen all year. They've been wonderful fights. Look at Thurman and Garcia. They spoke well about each other after the right. fight. Look at Badu Jack and James Gale. That was a great fight. They spoke well about each other after the fight. And, you know, you look at these fights, you have your clowns out there like an Adrian Broner and whatnot, who spectacle is a part of their money-making tactic. And I understand that. But what I'm seeing now is look at the highest office in the land. President Cheeto is out there constantly behaving just like these guys. There's 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 the constant use of foul language in public. You know, McGregor and Mayweather are talking about cock size. These guys Were they? are talking Yes. Yes. I don't I haven't even really been following it like that oh, it's because disturbing. it's disturbing. Because it's a to me it's a joke. I really don't really want to participate in that whole arena of the circus because these guys really are taking advantage of the public. They've been sending out heat checks for a little while to see who's go- who's really interested in it. Now they found a lot of people who are interested in something like this because there's a lot of people who watch MMA that believe that he has a chance. <laughs> but but then beyond that, this is what I'm going to something deeper here. It's not it's not even about them wanting to watch and it's not about it them is, taking though. advantage. It no, it it's is. not about them taking advantage. I'm going to tell you why it's not about them taking advantage because you can't take it. Somebody can't, you, you can't rape the willing as they say. And in this situation, the public is the willing, you know, they, they, they are asking for this. Right. And, and in this scenario, this is what they're going for. They're saying, Hey, you know what? Uh, 
I want to know if the MMA fighters, our best MMA fighter, even though that's John Jones, but our best MMA fighter can stack up against the loudmouth boxer. Right. Now, I just about 100% of the people in conventional sports will tell you that Conor McGregor has no chance besides a Hail Mary or a fluke injury to Floyd Mayweather. Right. Um, but the public, as usual, has their own interests in mind. This is the same scenario that we're dealing with on the higher level now. And I just wonder, at what point do we turn the beat around? At what I point- really don't think that people are willing to turn the beat around. It's just like being stuck in traffic out here like we talk about all the time. And then you get up to the accident. Well, you feel like you deserve to watch it now because I've waited so long in traffic. Mm. And I really don't feel like, I mean, I don't want to watch anybody in that traffic accident. And that's what this is. Yeah, There's this a train wreck scenario where people like to hear and like to see people that they can look down upon. Right. Where they can say, well, at least my situation might be bad, but it ain't as bad as that. Or I'm not as stupid as him. Or I'm not as blah, blah, blah as that person. Or I'm not as, as phony as her. You look at everything that we have in society now that gets the highest ratings, and it's all spectacle. We have become this shallow, fire-breathing dragon that we just you just—it's an insatiable appetite for for scandal, for spectacle, for anything that's like that. As darker, the darker you can make it, the more ratings that it's going to get. Yeah, and I just wonder where does this go in society? Because you see it now. Uh, somebody asked me about going, am I going to be at the McGregor Mayweather fight? I told him, you can catch me dead at that place. I have no interest in being at that fight. I can take you there I dead. Don't, no, no, I would refuse. Uh, I come would on. roll over. <laughs> I would don't tell me you roll over. I'd roll over. In your grave. I'd have to. I'd roll over. And then I would turn you back over and, and say, watch this. And I'd say, nope, I'm rolling <laughs> over. It's over. <laughs> it's roll over, Beethoven. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I'm looking at the scenario and I'm like, Wow. With all of this negativity and, and negative words and all this, that, and the other jumping off, I just don't see anything positive coming out of that event other than Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather getting paid. I mean, that's a that's a positive for them, if you will. But well, this, this is what they're promoting, though. You know, everything's about team money, and Conor McGregor is the money, the money Mayweather, as you could say, of the MMA. Right. And so this is everybody's buying into that whole image. You know, this is what people want. I I want to make money just like the next guy. But, yeah, for sure. Know, Where's the cutoff? Where do where does it stop? You can't. I mean, there is for at this point in society, there is no cutoff. At this point in society, in the words of Michael Jordan, the ceiling is the roof. <laughs> there, there is no top to this thing. As long as it profits, anything goes. I mean, I'm looking at it from a pop culture standpoint, and going out of the country really helps with this. I'm looking at it from a pop culture standpoint. You know, Beyonce puts up a picture of herself and her twins. So God bless her. She had healthy babies. You know, they're, they're doing well now. Good for them. If you look at the social media response, I've seen people that I know more concerned about Beyonce and Jay-Z's twins than they are about their own kids. Yeah. I've seen them talk more about their people that they do not know than they I've ever heard them talk about their own offspring. Crazy, right? It's just mind-blowing to me that this is where we are. And and, and it doesn't seem like it's, you know, it doesn't seem like it's going uh, to any sort of positive direction anytime soon. Yeah, they're not taking their foot off the gas pedal. It doesn't seem like it. I mean, one of the reasons why is that because the more media and social media you have, the more opportunity that there is for people to put that stuff out there. And as long as there's an appetite for it, somebody's got to feed the beast. Got to feed that beast. (laughs) (laughs) Stop, dude. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's spooky. It's It's just a crazy scenario for me. Uh, to watch because it's something that happened so quickly 
it's something that's swept through society so fast. You know what I mean? Like people are so interested in so much stuff that has nothing to do with them. And they are then distracted from stuff that actually does have something to do with them. Like something I noticed when I got off the plane, that gas is hella cheap this summer. Right? <laughs> What's happening? I love it. Uh, there's, a, there's a big over, what, they're overstocked. I don't know, overstock. but I can tell you <laughs> what, in, in California, we got gas coming out uh, at like two fifty nine a gallon, which is unbelievable you to me. You said it, now they got to shut down the refinery. You know how that goes. Come on. <laughs> yeah, wow. I was, I was pleasantly surprised when I went to fill up the truck. It was a good idea. Now it seems like a good idea to get back in the big truck, strangely enough. <laughs> Until you buy one. Until you buy one, and then they jack up the price. Like, dude, this wasn't a good idea. Come on. <laughs> So, uh, moving on from that. Where are we sliding to? You know what? We're going to glide and slide over to the NBA. Uh, a lot of trades have happened and are happening, and there's some more big money going around. You got James Harden just signed the most insane, crazy deal uh, ever. I mean, I do believe he's getting $57 million per and that's just from basketball. That's not even including his, you know, anything well, beyond well, that. Yeah, maybe he can stop charging kids for, uh, <laughs> you know, his little camps now. Why the camps got to be little? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's charging people. He's Classic charging. black work right there, folks, <laughs> if you aren't familiar. Yeah, I mean, you want to charge people for your little camps now. Huh? Go ahead and do, do it that, like that. Man, player. But, it, but it's the real, though. The guy signed, I mean, before he had this $228 million extension, the guy had a $200 million deal from Adidas. So all these reports, I don't know if they're true or not, but it seems like they are. Hey, guys, professional athletes out there, if you guys are charging kids for your camps, you are full of shit. Just so you know. I'm, I'm telling you right off the top. It's not cool. It's not cool because the kids are looking up to you and they're trying to get to where you are. And you're setting an example of absolute greed. And I, there's no there's no other way to go around. I, I challenge any of you guys. To come on to speak about that, if you charge for your camps, we've had some great guys come on and right. talk about it and talk about how they pay the camps out of their pocket. They talk how they about just give in general. How they give in general. They talk about how they how they want to do uh, how they do the the camps. Not only do they pay for the camps out of their pocket, but if they can't, what they do is they get a, a sponsor. Right. You know, and so you I don't just fleece. You don't fleece the the neighborhood. Gotta fleece it nowadays. This is the this, but see, this ties in to what we were talking about. Full circle. Full circle. And what I want to do now, I want to introduce a new segment, and we'll see how it goes. We're going to go live on Instagram, and we're going to see if anybody has any questions for the Ozone. Oh, that's nice. I like that. You like that? Ladies and gentlemen, we're here now. We just got back from London, England, where we witnessed the Wimbledon Championships. And we're talking hot on the mic. And when I say hot, it's literally hot because there's no air conditioner in the studio for some reason right now. Yeah, Ernie's hotboxing us. Ernie is hotboxing us, and there's no weed involved. (laughs) So look here, folks. You guys are live. We're on the Instagram. Somebody's asking me, where's Rabbit? That's not a valid question. He's in Detroit. But we're sitting here now, and I want to know from a sports perspective, you guys got any questions for us because we're live on the Ozone, and you're live on the Ozone. So if you want to know about some sports talk, let's get into it. As it stands now... We're about to go, and uh, we're going to speak on Major League Baseball because we are past the halfway point, and I got news for you folks. The Dodgers might be the best team in baseball. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. There's no team on the planet better than the Houston Astros. Is that how you feel? None. 
Are you sure about that? I'm positive. Even though the record might say different, I don't know if the the Dodgers might be up by a game or two. Head to head, there's no team like the Houston Astros. We got a we got a a person named Troy OG who looks suspiciously like Troy Garrity from the <laughs> hit HBO show Ballers that just signed up and said uh, Cody Bellinger is the reason for that. And he said that Terry's a hater. Oh, <laughs> is Terry oh, a hater? Oh, no, that, that's fake. That's fake news. And this is real news. It's right here. Hey. The reason is not Cody Bellinger. The Dodgers have the Dodgers have the best bullpen in baseball. That's the reason why. All right. So if you guys didn't hear that, Terry's saying that the reason is not Cody Bellinger's is that the Dodgers have the best bullpen in baseball, anchored by the big fella Kenley Jansen. Now the Dodgers are talking about getting Zach Britton, which would be bananas. I would move Kenley Jansen to the to the setup role. Wow. And you know, uh, Troy OG just said, "Hey Terry, how's Colorado doing?" They're in third place right now, nine and a half games back, and that's why we're starting the second half because we're mounting up a comeback. Ah, <laughs> Troy, you got him. He said they're in third place, and he's they're trying to mount a comeback, but he's not exactly sure where that's going to go. Uh, who else do we got? Don't worry. The ship Real ambush 2017. I see you. You say you got the Yankees all the way, huh? So yesterday the Yankees pulled one out that was very interesting, and really Ben Intendi, as great as he is, and he's probably, I don't know, he may come up in second with Rookie of the Year with Aaron Judge. But let me tell you what has happened is that last night, man, they they pulled off something. They pulled off something sick because <laughs> I almost said Conor McGregor, but it wasn't Conor McGregor. It was Matt Holiday went deep off of Craig Kimbrell last beautiful night. Bomb. A beautiful bomb in the top of the ninth oh, in a tight game. And he knew it was going. I love that. <laughs> and Troy OG comes back with Yankees got no pitching in October. Well, it's a true story, but they got some kids that they're talking about bringing up right now. They got young Chance Adams that they're young talking Chance about bringing Adam. up, but they're also talking about going to get some help. Now, I'm surprised that Jose Quintana hasn't come on. Uh, I see you out there in Kentucky. We're talking uh, Conor McGregor and Mayweather. I think it's a debacle. I think it's a spectacle. I don't think it should count on Floyd Mayweather's record. And don't waste your 100 bucks. And Terry says, don't waste your 100 bucks. Uh, uh, no, thank you for that, Ambush. I will stay blessed, God willing. And you do the same. Um, it was a great game, but Ben Tendy should have went to third in the top of the, in the bottom of the tenth, uh, the bottom yeah the bottom of the tenth, and they would have won that game. But the American League refuses to play the game the right way. Yeah, they need the three run bomb all the time. They need <laughs> the three run bomb. That's Even the when only the thing they're willing to do. Well, that concludes this edition. Hi, Cyril from Italy. There's so many people from all around the world. I appreciate you. It's all good. Ooh, we got a we got a fellow named Ernie Hurtado. Who says, what do we think about the Rockies reportedly interested in J.D. Martinez? Oh, he, he, how did he know about that? Wow, that's the inside stuff. Yeah. I, no, I thought Arizona was interested in no, J.D. Martinez. No, it's the Rockies, and I don't understand why the Rockies would be after another outfielder. They have David Dahl uh, that's sitting in the wings and everything else. They don't need offense. They need to stack up and get that bullpen together. The bullpen is where it's at. Ask the Dodgers. Bullpen, bullpen. Oh, somebody else. This is my last one. Somebody's got something great to say, and their name is Zaime Omar. Connor is like Eminem against Papa Doc. You got it right? Well, you're wrong. But that's good to know. Troy OG is signing in saying that's because they're the Rockies and they want more offense and no pitching, which is why they can't win. Good call, Troy OG. Good call, my man. Troy, you're going to be crying the blues, boy, when they finally – the Dodgers might have a chance to make it, but if they do, if they do – you're going to be crying the blues when the, the Astros get a hold of you, boy. Wait. Troy, he says that the Astros are going to spank the Dodgers in the World Series. I'll be impressed if the Dodgers get to the World Series. Padre, I see you chimed in. I'm sorry that it's like Chinese. We'll talk cryptocurrencies on a different podcast. Thank you, though. <laughs> I'll catch you guys sooner than later. Treacy Cakes, happy birthday to you. Peace. Yeah, folks, just a little new segment on the Ozone. We'll expand further now. Uh, I want to talk about baseball 
Why is it the American League is so hung up on the three-run bomb? Just they live by it, they die by it. It's been their whole thing forever, and they're sticking to it. You know, that's their story, and they're sticking to they're it. Sticking so they're sticking to, sticking to it, huh, son? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they give you great, great work. They're they're true to themselves. I don't care if it's a run at third. <laughs> with no outs, no outs. They ain't the going game for the line. Fly. I'm not going for the sack fly. I'm not trying to hit a ground ball. I'm trying to go deep. deep. I'm gonna need a bomb. <laughs> I need a bomb. I need to walk off. I need to have a ticket tape parade. <laughs> That's it. That's it. And I, I need t- to go down the soul train line. Speaking of the walk off, so rumor has it that I want to get a take your take on something. Rumor has it that the balls in the home run derby are juiced. Rumor has it that there's some big boys out there swinging that that stick. <laughs> That's the problem. There's dudes out there can get the ball. In. There's not the dudes who can't hit the ball out the park aren't in the home run derby. The dudes. Who I do, agree with that. Yeah, and they can hit it out no matter where yeah, you go. And you I can don't go think to the that, park. I don't think that Aaron Judge needs help getting the ball out of the park or for distance. I don't think that anything's juiced. The dude is six eight. <laughs> Giancarlo Stanton is six seven six. Giant dudes. These are giant dudes, man. You every now and then you get a small guy who can turn the ball around, but consistently when those guys drop the bad hit, the ball takes off. Sure does, especially when they know how. Sure does. Now, what do you think the Yankees are going to do? Because the Red Sox seem like they're coming on strong. Oh, the Red Sox are going to take that division. That's without saying, you know. But the Astros are the team to beat in baseball. They are the most complete team in baseball, even with the Dodgers bullpen and whatever. When you have power, speed, pitching, and depth, it's hard to beat. It's going to be hard to beat. It's hard to beat. Now, I'm interested to see what the Kansas City Royals do because they were able to mount a small comeback, and they're the kind of team that actually could give the Astros a problem only through experience. Yes, that, if they that, get one more piece, they need, it. Well, they need you know one what? or two more pieces. They need some pitching. Obviously, you know, they lost their ace uh, in Yordano Ventura in but that Ian tragic Kennedy accident. Ian is getting busy. Ian Kennedy's dealing. I just dealing. picked him up right now in the fantasy league. Danny Duffy's dealing. Yeah. And not only that, they know how to win. And what else that they get, although I think the missing links would be, is that they brought up some youngsters that don't know how to win yet, but maybe you have enough pieces to mix and match that you can get over the hump. Cleveland's not what they're supposed supposed to have been. Chicago is terrible, although they have their minor league stack. I would, if I was the Chicago White Sox, I would bring up all those kids and just let them play. Let them yeah. stink to join up because the veterans are stinking to join up. Todd Frazier, they're talking about, is supposed to be just like he's a gonna given. He's going to be out of there. That he's a given that he's going to the Red Sox. Yep. Which you is know, a serious problem for the rest is, of the league. Yes, because then they're going to have a thumper at third, and uh, I mean, and he, I feel like, I feel like Todd Frazier is a guy that plays to his level yeah. of competition. Well, and you you stick him in that lineup right there, it, it's going to be a big difference. It's going to be a big difference because Hanram is swinging it, and yeah. that's with you know, if you get him in there, you wedge him in Mookie Betts and Hanram. Now you're in a position where. He's protected from all of his strikeouts, mm-hmm. and it puts them in a position to get on base and drive guys in. Right. And he's actually a really good ball player when he's focused. Yes. But you have to – I mean, it's hard to 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 buy to ever feel losing. You know what I'm saying? No, yeah, it's hard. It's hard, especially if you're a winner. Yeah, and you – And I get the feeling Todd Frazier's a winner, despite yeah. maybe not having won a championship. He's a winner. Well, yeah, but but look at the teams. He was on the Reds. I love the, the, I love the Reds, but the Reds organization Losers. hasn't been the same since the 90s. Yeah. And – and the Chicago White Sox are definitely losers. And it seemed like the White Sox were actually pulling it together. Yeah. And then ever since that thing happened with Adam LaRoche and then Chris Sale with the jerseys, mm-hmm. everything went the wrong way. And you even look at how they brought down Jose Quintana. Yeah. Man, Jose Quintana just dealt. He just dealt on the Orioles. Just dealt on the Orioles. Yeah. So, But but this is the, that culture of losing and what it does to you. Yeah. It's such a dangerous it's thing. That's what it is. That's really what it is. Huh. That's, that's an interesting, interesting take. The Nationals have are, are putting up stupid, crazy, dumb you know, numbers. For some 
reason you always think about the Nationals, but you just never can take them serious. They're one of those teams that you can't take seriously. I think this year you can take them seriously because they seem very interested in figuring out their bullpen. Well, they just went and picked up two older players, and these older players aren't the ones that we were talking about earlier. They picked up Ryan Madsen and Sean Doolittle, yeah. and those aren't going to solidify that bullpen. Those guys are like But it'll be better than what they got. Yeah. But yeah. they still need— But they need a monster. They need they, they need, need Zach Britton. Yeah, they, they need they need, they some, need a you Zach know. Britton or something like that because what you're talking about is them getting— if you get a Scherzer-type player that can go— Seven, eight, nine innings. Seven solid. Yeah. He's giving you seven solid. Now, Strasburg is a question mark. Gio's dealing like he yeah, was when Gio's he was in Oakland. Gio's only going to go six or seven innings. And then he with, went 8.1 yesterday. Yeah, but that was yesterday. But, but for the most part, he's usually around six or seven innings. So right. then what do you do for those ne- those last three innings? This is the problem. Yeah. And they, they have a lot of blown saves. Yeah. And they and then, then what? You got a team there that put up a bunch of runs that can't close the deal. And you, the outfielders, the infielders sit there and just it's a track meet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that, that can be a serious problem. Serious problem. But I mean, I feel like that there's not enough parity in the league this year as far as in baseball. You I ha- feel like this is where we're going to in basketball as well. That, but that's shame on basketball because basketball are letting these the, the owner, players collude. Yeah, yeah, the players are colluding and the, and they're letting all these players get together and pick their own teams. You're going to have a problem with having the, the level of competition is going to go down. But revenue is through the roof. Revenue is through the roof. Rev share. Yeah. So Rev is through the roof. Reverend Tansley. Yeah, you're running Rev. How many revolutions you had? Uh, dude, stop it. You're redlining. Dude, you're redlining. You're redlining. Dude, dude, you're going you're to block and blow my chassis. That's how it goes. Redline, folks. If you guys didn't know, if you've never dealt with old cars or motorcycles like we have. Um, yeah, wow. Well, folks, spirited edition of the Ozone. You got something else? I, you know, there was a good fight. Did you watch that fight last night with Sullivan Burr uh, and Joe, Joe Smith? Joe, jet lag was so real. I watched the inside of my eyelids. Oh, nice. How was it? Dark. <laughs> <laughs> Very well, dark. Well, Joe Smith, who retired Bernard Hopkins earlier this year at the Forum with that one punch that threw the him. one hitter quitter? Yeah, through the, through the ropes. Gave him the Cochise. Um, fought Sullivan Pereira, who put up an odd fight against Andre Ward about a year and some change ago mm-hmm. that he lost, but it was just bizarre. He's a Cuban fighter, so he's a little bit more defensive. And he got dropped in the first round, and Sullivan came back and balled and won a decision. It was a pretty good fight. Pretty good fight. It's, it kind of lines them up to face potentially like a Kovalev now for a second-tier spot in that 175 range. There's a couple little guys who fought last night. Um, and, and you know what's a trip? It's a guy like Kovalev, now that he's taking that, that, those two losses, it seems like that's when you just sort of like drift off somewhere into oblivion. No, yeah, to nowhere land. Yeah. Hey, where's Kovalev? Exactly. <laughs> oh, dude, he's in nowhere land. <laughs> he drifted off. <laughs> he's dripping into darkness. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a very interesting thing that happens in sports. I mean, football teams are, are classic for stuff like that. Yeah. You like you go look like the like the Carolina Panthers. What happened? You go from being, I mean, they were the best team in football, and they went up there and got beat up pretty much by the Broncos and still had a chance to win that game, by the way. Right. And then just Never completely recovered. fell apart. Never recovered. And I'll be amazed if if my man Cam ever gets back to the Super Bowl. I wouldn't be amazed because they picked up some talent. They, they got a couple of kids in the draft, a couple of receivers. That's what he needs. He's got, because he had Ted drop it again out there and, you know, dropping passes <laughs> all the time. And you can't have all these receivers out there dropping passes and everybody blaming on Cam Newton. I mean, these guys get paid too much money not to do their job. Yeah. Yeah. Do I your job, man. 
He's putting the ball in the money in the Super Bowl too. Yeah, and in the Super Bowl, then you blame the whole game on him. The dude only plays one side of the ball. Always, whole game is on Cam. But that's this is again, this is society. This is what we're dealing with, dude. You have a problem with society? Let's get it out. Right, lay out. down, on, lay down on my couch. I put, I put it out. I put it out. I have a problem with sweating right now because right now I'm sweating like a hooker in church, folks. I am burning up, and I'm in here wet. Thanks a lot, Ernie. <laughs> Anywho. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for rocking with us. We're going to come back at you this week in the Ozone. We're pumped up. We're happy to be back in California, even though it's oddly humid. I don't know what's up with that. I guess global warming is real. So, leave you with a quote since we got back home. From Winston Churchill. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Keep generosity in your hearts, folks. Put others first. You'll be amazed at the way that it comes back to you. I am Omar Miller, your host. You are in the video zone. Oh, zone. I'm just living the dream. I'm in love with the life. This is 